you, Dave. Good morning, everyone. I have my iPad. It's not the same, you know, when you're preaching, you slap the Bible and wave around. Believe the Bible. Sir, that's an iPad. Believe the Bible. <laughs> not the same, but you know, you can, there's so much you can do with the technology, right? It's so many different versions and commentaries and stuff. Make sure you, I want to ask a question. I want to, make, uh, I want to take a survey. Because um, we're talking about the Bible and different versions. David talked about translations. I want to, I'm curious who's reading what. Anybody here still uh, read the King James Version? Oh, there's a few art battles out there, aren't they? Uh, New King James Version? A couple. NIV? A lot of you. Uh, New American Standard Bible? Anything else I'm missing? Some New Living Translation? What am I missing? Dave, you read something very interesting this morning. I, I didn't recognize that. The message, eh? Okay. Anything else? Anybody else? Different versions? Oh, ES- ESV? Stands for... English Standard Version. Okay, well, that's interesting. That's free information. Um, <laughs> There's that Greek-speaking uh, elder there. Uh, okay, what about some, some of the, uh, the speakers? Dave, when, when you study, do you always just use the same version? Do you jump around? Yeah, I use different versions. Yeah. Phil, you too? Yeah, for sure. It really helps you to get there. I learned something uh, this studying for this that... Uh, about the Bible, and um, I've always read the New King James Version myself, but you start learning about the manuscripts and how old some of them are and how recent and how uh, far apart from the original text some of them are. And they were just, I read something interesting in the book that said that when you're studying the Bible, that the King James Version, the New King James Version, is not, not really recommended because the, the manuscripts that they, they take from are actually quite, far from the original, and I've always read New King James Version, so for you out there who study those or read those, it's just a little note there for you. Um, okay, we're in, the, we're, we're in Believe, and, and at the beginning we have, we're in, we're in the Think section, right? The first ten chapters, what do I believe? And then there's some questions to answer. Uh, why do I believe the Bible? How do I know God and His will for my life? The key idea, I believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God that, that guides my beliefs and actions. And the key verse that the brother had up there earlier from Second Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'll, let's open up in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, what an overwhelming topic we have this morning to talk about. Just be scratching the surface. There's just so much to know about your word. And your word is uh, the reflection of your word. There's nowhere else we can learn about your word except in your word because your word is truth and it's, uh, it's just the revelation of all things, that who you are and what you are, your, your attributes, your eternal attributes and your character. And Lord Father, just uh, how do we expound on this in a half an hour? Just ask for your guidance to as we go through this, to help us to understand. And may our hearts be filled with joy as the disciples who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, as he expounded from the scripture from Moses all the way to um, to his time, just because they spoke about him and about his suffering. And Lord Father, may our hearts burn this morning too, as we learn about you in Christ Jesus. Um, I'm going to ask the question, so why? Why do you believe the Bible? You're talking about, okay, you know, how, how do we know the, how do we know God? But what, why do you believe the Bible? 
it's a big question, right? You've got to take a lot of things into consideration on perhaps a spiritual, spiritual point of view, right? There's, there's uh, revelation, inspiration, uh, preservation, and illumination, right? All those things come into play when you're thinking about why you believe in the Bible. And perhaps in like an earthly point of view, Dave was talking about translation. When you start reading about translation, that's a huge endeavor to translate to, to a different language. There's so much involved. There's a, uh, inner and a, a exterior um, evidences. There, there's uh, variances and stuff like this. Huge terminologies. It, it, it's, it's really confusing. But you got so you got translation. You got tra- uh, transmission. You have um, trustworthiness, and you have the truth. So all these things c- come into play. And I have a book here. I'm going to recommend. It's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. Has anybody ever heard of it? Read it before? Yeah. Um, I highly recommend. This is a spare one. I want to give it away, but someone's going to have to earn it. So you'll, you'll see what I mean. Okay, there, there's a... Um, has anybody heard of Body Bauckham? No? He's a... Um, he was a pastor, down, uh, Baptist pastor down in Springs, Texas. Now he's uh, um, dean of seminary at uh, African University, African Christian University in Zambia. And he has a video on YouTube on, on this very... On this very topic about why we believe, why you can believe in the Bible. I'm going to give you um, his answer. I'm going to try to teach it to you so you, so you, you have it w- within you. So he says, let's see if I can remember this, I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by uh, eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. It reports supernatural uh, events that took place in the fulfillment of specific prophecies, and it claims to be um, claim, it claims to be divine rather than human in origin. You guys get that? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to teach it to you. Okay, you break it up into four. I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable source of historical documents. Say that with me. I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable source of historical documents. Very good. Number two, I've forgotten already. Okay, written, written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. Written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. It records supernatural events in the fulfillment of specific prophecy. It records natural events in the fulfillment of specific prophecy, or that take place, sorry, that take place in this, Fulfillment of spirit. The teachers should know these things, right? And the last one, um, and its writing is claimed to be divine rather than human in origin. Writing is claimed to be divine rather than human in origin. Okay, now all together. I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable source of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. It records supernatural events and the fulfillment of specific prophecies, and it claims that its writings are divine rather than human in origin. Okay, who wants to come up and try it? That's what this book is for. Who is willing to come up and just try it? Come on! Who wants this book? I'm thinking of somebody. i got somebody in mind. He, he's our, our future speaker. Come on, Mark. Come on up. Try it. Come on, Mark. You know you'll get the book anyway. So Remember the four things. Oh no! Pardon? Yes. Is this uh, this, mic- this microphone? Oh, okay. 
Mark chooses to believe the Bible because... Okay, let's all help him because it is a reliable source of... The reliable collection, sorry. Collection of historical documents. Reliable collection. historical documents. Written. Written by eyewitnesses that lived at the same time as other eyewitnesses. Yeah, we'll give you that one. Let's read both. Number three. It records supernatural. Yeah, it records supernatural. Or supernatural events. Events. Yeah. Okay. Record supernatural events. Yeah. It's placed in the fulfillment of specific prophecies, right? And it claims it's divine, rather than human in origin. In origin. In origin. Yay! No pressure. Hey, he, he's got a sermon coming up soon. It's a good practice for him to be up here and to see what it's like, how nerve-wracking it is. Okay, so that's kind of just a little sidebar of what we're going to be talking about today because we're not really talking about why we believe, but we're talking about um, the Bible. Um, how it reveals the, uh, you know, how it reveals God to us. Um, I started, just a little illustration. I wasn't going to give this, but Dave showed that video and then it kind of, inspired me just to tell it. So, just an illustration I, I made up in the past couple of weeks. So, picture this boy, you know, in his 20s, whatever, and he's got a crush on this girl. And um, turns out that she has a crush on him, too, so they find out. So, they end up going out on this first date. And they have a great time. They're out for hours together, just, just talking, just talking to get to know each other. And at the end of the evening, he brings her home. He's dropping her off, and he said, I really, you know, had a really good time. And she said, so, do, so did I. I really hope we can do this together, do, do this again sometime. And he says, no, I don't think that's necessary. Well, why not? Because I thought you enjoyed our time together. Well, I did, but I really don't think it's necessary for me to get to know you more. I know enough already. I'll hear about you more from other people too around town and whatever, you know, some of your friends. But that's secondhand knowledge. Don't you want to learn from me? No, you know, I really don't have the time. And, but you know, don't, don't worry, I'll tell people we're dating, that we're going out. I'll, tell, I'll even tell them that I love you, and you can still buy me stuff. But, you know, it's really not necessary. I really don't think it's necessary, and I really don't have the time to spend more time with you to get to know you better. I think you guys know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. You know, right? we all know the, the reasons and excuses why people don't read the Bible. Because, you know, we, we go through the same excuses, right? There are times during the day, during the week, whatever, we should be, we could be reading the Bible. And, you know, we have all the excuses. But um, did you see that video? People are dying for the Word of God. We have so much in America, you know, to whom has much has been given, much is going to be required, right? And we have so much in America. we got, like, libraries and, like... Stacks and stacks of books to help us to understand the Bible. And the Bible itself is just, whew, you know, it's overwhelming, right? There's a, um, Bishop Richard of Chichester has a prayer. And it goes, day by day, dear Lord, these three things I pray that I may, what was that? 
sorry, <laughs> that I may see thee more clear, love thee more dear, dear, and follow thee more near. Oh, a lot of you know that prayer, don't you? That's a wonderful. So how do we know God? Through his word. How do we know God more? How do we see him clearer? You know, we could go through the Bible and pick up verse, so many verses, but I think um, Hebrews 1 is a wonderful verse to turn to to understand this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact express image of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power when he had made when he had made purification of sins, he sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. So, so this verse is about God speaking, but it's, got, it's about how God spoke and when God spoke. And then we see that in, in, in the past ages, God spoke to the, the fathers, through the prophets, in little bits, right? Here and there, slowly revealing himself. But verse says, now in these days, in these days that we're living in, God reveals himself completely. How? Through his son. The express image of his nature, you know, the radiance of his glory. So it's just a wonderful place to look to know God, right? And in fullness. You know, we, um, we can pull so many verses out of, out of the Gospels. Think of, um, the leper who came to Jesus asking, you know, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me, you can make me clean. And Jesus, I am willing. So we see that in the Father. He's willing. For us to be clean, to come to Him, and then the, the woman who, uh, who who had the flow of blood for twelve years, coming to Jesus, if I could only touch His hem, I'd be healed. You know, I, I I would be healed. And what He say to her, daughter, you know, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And the seven I am's, right? I, I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. <clears throat> I'm the sheep gate. I am the sorry. Um, the good, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way to truth and life, and I am the vine. My father is the, is the vine dresser. And we could go through so many verses just to learn about God through the Lord Jesus Christ. To see thee more clearly. What's that song we sing? The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. To love thee more dearly. There's three indicators of, of, of love. Of, of how great the love is. First is the lover. Right? The greater the lover, the greater the love. The second is the object of that love. The lesser the object, the greater the love. The third is the expression of that love. Right? The more marvelous the expression of that love, the greater the love. Think of John 3.16. For God so loved. How great is the lover. The greatest. The creator. Upholds all things. 
tells the waves of the ocean, come this far and here you will go no further. He's the one who put the foundations in place for the, that the world sit on. Brought all things into existence. Made mankind in his image. Upholds all things. There's none greater than God. Greater the lover, greater the love. The lesser the object. Who's the object? God so loved the world. Really don't need to expound too much on that, right? Because we know who we are. Sinners, wicked, rebellious against God. Our our good works like, like rags to Him. The lesser the object, the greater the love. The expression of that love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The expression of that love. Sending His Son to die for us. The Lord Jesus willing, obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Right? Romans 5.8 For God demonstrates His love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The greater the lover, the greater the love. The lesser the object, the greater the love. The more marvelous the expression, the greater the love. In the Bible, we learn about the love of God and how great it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. To follow thee more near. There's a verse in, uh, I think it's John. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. How do we hear his voice? In the Word of God, right? When we have the Bible open before us. At breakfast, when we're eating our Cheerios and the Bible's before us, we hear the shepherd's voice. When we're driving our car and we've got the Bible on CD, we hear the shepherd's voice. When you're reading your Bible at night before you fall asleep, as you fall asleep, we hear the shepherd's voice. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. What a wonderful verse. You know, there's, there's that verse in Matthew. I think it's in the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus says, talks about... Um, you know, those that say, Lord, Lord, you know, we, we, we've cast out demons, we, we've done miracles and wonderful things in your name. But he'll say to them, I do not know you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness, because they're the bad fruit. What a terrifying thing not to be known by God. What a wonderful thing to be known by the Lord, because we are his sheep. We hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That too is a terrifying, terrifying verse, isn't it? For what's Jesus say that following him entails? Taking up our cross, right? And when you're taking up a cross, where are you going? You're going to die. 
Lest a kernel of wheat falls and dies, shall not bring forth fruit. How do we, where where do we find the courage? Where do we find, you know, the ability to follow Jesus to the point where He wants us to empty ourselves completely, totally, that we may be His servants, that we may be His children in the Word of God. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. The greatest thing in all my life is loving you. The greatest thing in all my life is serving you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. The greatest thing in all my life is loving, knowing, following, serving you. Now we get to the question, the personal question. Um, What does the Word of God say to us about our lives? How to live our lives? And then we could... Just totally take that in such the wrong way. You know, that's, that's, it's on the borderline of that the prosperity gospel that we hear about that's preached on TV and stuff. You know, you come to God, health, wealth, prosperity. Everything is going to be good. What God wants for your life is what you want for your life. Right? Your dreams. God wants your dreams to come true. That's not what the Bible says. So how do we know? You know, talking about that dreams... Here's your homework for tonight, or today. You guys are going to think all I do is watch YouTube, but you've got to watch this video. Phil Vischer. Everybody knows Phil Vischer. Who's Phil Vischer? He's the creator, founder of, nobody knows, VeggieTales. Okay. Phil Vischer, okay, so you punch, Phil Vischer, Liberty University, his talk. Fascinating. It talks about the rise and the fall of big idea productions and VeggieTales. They went bankrupt, in case you guys didn't know. He doesn't really own it anymore. I'm debating whether... Okay, I'll I'll give you a little insight. Um, Things were going really well. You know, it started off uh, with with his first video, um, and they sold, but then poor... A lot of people liked it. And they told more people, and they told more people, and a lot of people liked it. So next thing you know, they, you know, sold over like a million copies. So Big Idea Productions started getting bigger and bigger, and the staff were getting bigger and bigger, and they're making bigger and better videos. To the point where Phil was nominated, um, I'm trying to remember the title, but the best um, video, animated video uh production company, not just for, Christ, for Christian uh, videos, but for all kinds. So he was at the top. He was at the top. And then he said, all of a sudden, okay, I should go back to that. So he, people were telling him, you know, you, Big Ideas is like the next Walt Disney. And he said, you know what? That would make me the next Walt. And he said, I kind of like the sound of that. He said, then all of a sudden, sales stopped growing. And he kind of had to start laying off people. They start off as three people, then they're up to 200, and they had to keep cutting back, keep cutting back, because sales just weren't growing. And then they got taken to court by a previous um, distributor. And these distributors were painting, painting lies about Phil and the Big ID production stuff, and Phil said, we knew we were right, but we just couldn't defend it. We couldn't prove ourselves in court, and they lost everything. 
in this law in, the, in this lawsuit. And so Phil said they're they're still trying to hang on to big idea, and um, they had this prayer meeting. Only 13 of them left having this prayer meeting, and they're praying, Lord, please save big ideas, because you know this is this is a global ministry, you know, all over the world for Jesus. Phil said this is my this is my work for Christ. How is it, how could it not be prospering? So these 13 people are praying, Lord, please save VeggieTales, Big Idea Productions. Please help Phil save VeggieTales. And then after they prayed, he said, one of the ladies, wife of one of the artists, came up to him and said, Phil, I think there's something God wants me to tell you. I don't think this is about God and Big Ideas. I think this is about God and Phil. And Phil said, I couldn't breathe. Don't tell me this isn't about, this isn't about big ideas. It's all about big ideas. This is what I'm doing for Christ. And, uh, he said, he, then he got a cassette. I'm trying to remember the story. He got a cassette from his mother of a sermon of, of a family friend who talked about that very thing. You know, when you have a dream for Christ, and God comes into the dream and expanding, and all of a sudden things start falling apart. And, you know, where's God? Why, why did he allow it to fall apart? I, I'm not going to ruin the story for you, but at the end, Phil says, dreams make dangerous friends, and God is enough. So what, yeah, so think, what, so what is God's will for our life? And we can't get confused thinking it's our dreams. God's will for our life is not our dream. Phil has another video speaking at Moody Bible Institute. You've got to watch this one too. But at the end, so he's, so he's talking about uh, losing VeggieTales again. And he says, so he's talking about a burden that he carries. And that burden is that he could, his company could not be like Pixar. You know, comparing Big Idea Production to Pixar. Why could I not be like Pixar? Why could I not do what Pixar was doing? He said, but then he received a letter. 1999, he received a letter from um, the Goodwill Foundation. Right? You know, they, they try to help children who are terminally ill. Just one last wish before they pass away. And there was this nine-year-old boy named Thomas. And his last wish was to be one of the voices on VeggieTales. So they told so him, we can do this. So, so they, they rewrote one of the uh, silly songs for Larry, whatever. So this boy could come in and do one of the voices and sing with Larry in one of the silly songs. So the date came for this boy to sing, and he took a turn for the worst, and he couldn't make it. So they rescheduled another date, and uh, Thomas couldn't make that either. But then about two weeks went past, and received a letter from the mother. Thomas had passed away. But the mother said in the letter, said, in the last hour that Thomas was conscious, the one thing he asked for was to watch the very first VeggieTales movie. Where's God when I'm scared? I want to watch that with his family before he dies. And Phil said, it just made me realize then and there that there's something I can do that Pixar can't do. And that's to tell people that God loves them. To tell them about the, the God who loves them. That God made them in His image. That God made them special. And then God loves them. And then no matter what they face in their life, not even death, 
God is with them. And God loves them. And God is bigger than the boogeyman. So I want to close on, on this thought. When, when our son David was nine years old, he developed the chicken pox like, like most kids at that age. And they started going away. But there was one chicken pox in the back of his neck here that, that wasn't healing. Actually, it was, it was getting bigger. It was, it was growing infected. It developed into a abscess. It actually grew. It was like this big half bubble, white thing. It's like a, a half a ping pong ball in the back of his neck, like his third eye sticking over. Like, That's creepy, man. So, but we brought him to the hospital to get it lanced. And so he's got him lying down on, on, on the bed on his stomach. And the doctor starts freezing it with these needles. Ten of them around. And as the doctor's putting them, David starts crying and screaming. Because apparently they, they feel like hornet's things or whatever it is. So Cynthia is holding his arms. And I'm holding his legs. And nurse is holding him down. And the doctor's injecting him. And he's crying. And Cynthia's crying. And I'm crying. They're just, you know, to see your son screaming like that. And our son David screams something that I would never forget. He cried out, I just want to go home. Because home is where you're safe, right? Home is where you feel loved. Home is where family is. There's a verse in the Gospel of John. Sorry. His iPad to confuse it. In the upper room discourse, Jesus prayer to the Father. He says, Father, I desire. You know when Jesus says, I desire, our ears should perk up. Jesus, what do you desire? This is the end of your ministry, Lord. You've given yourself completely and totally to other people. Now we're at, you're at the end. Jesus, what do you desire? Father, I desire that day. Look at the heart of our Lord, our Savior. After he's given everything he could, he's still thinking and praying for his disciples. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, would be with me where I am. What's God's, what is God's will for your life? To go home. He just wants you to go home. Like our son said, I just want to go home. That's Jesus' desire for you. That is Jesus' will for you. To go home. And to show the love of God while we're here. Right? We're talking about those things. What is uh, God's will for my life? You know, at work or uh, at home, with family, with, with siblings, at school. What is God's desire? What is God's will? To show His love. To all people. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will follow Our Heavenly Father, there's so much to know about you. Thank you for giving us the the ability to know you. Thank you for giving us your word, which is alive, which is living, active, which is penetrating, which is truth, and which is a revelation of the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We pray in his name.